Hello, folks. Welcome inside the Adam Jones podcast presented by the Baltimore Banner. I, of course, am Jerry Coleman. He, of course, over there is Adam Jones, the five-time MLB All-Star, just back from the World Series. We'll talk about that. And by the time you watch this, it'll be more than just back from the World Series. But we're going to get to that today in episode number 54, AJ. Andrew Kashner, old Cash. teammate, great beard, great personality, good sinker. We will be joined by the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame, Josh Raywich. A lot to get with him. We've already had two Hall of Famers on this podcast, and Ken Griffey Jr. and Jim Palmer. Uh, now we get a third, sort of, at, at least the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. We're also going to talk with Kyle Goon, the Baltimore Banner's outstanding columnist about the Ravens and the Terps' woes. Ravens are in a stretch where they're going to play three games at home in 11 days after a beatdown against Seattle. They took care of business at home once again. And of course, another edition of Socially Speaking, where someone qualifies for a Duncan gift card. And let's talk about the positivity that is the Texas Rangers. Man, Bruce Bochy winning his fourth World Series. You were there in Arizona. Texas goes 11-0 on the road to capture their first ever fall classic. They, they certainly took the fans in Arizona out rather quickly, AJ. Um, you know what? That, that's the first thing I said when I got to Arizona. Like, before the game, it was electric. Once the game started, it felt like it was more opening day than like I'm out for blood. It was. It felt like optimism. Like, oh, hey, I'm excited to be here. This is gonna be crazy. This is, you know. And but then once the game started, it was like, all right, we're gonna go with the flow of the game, like opening day, opposed to. I, I'm here. This is the World Series. All nine innings, I need to be standing. I need to be rooting on my team. I need to be the energy source for my team. Although the team doesn't need an energy source, the fans need to be that energy source, unfortunately. It wasn't there in my in my estimations. I was with Shane Victorino the whole time. He was just like, bro, this doesn't feel like World Series to me. It feels like opening day. I'm like, it feels just like that. And, you know, obviously he's a Philly guy. And, you know, Philly's completely different. And we know that stadium will be shaken, literally. Um, but it's just different atmospheres. And Arizona's a transplant city. We all know that. A lot of the people there are Dodgers, Padres, uh, Blue Jays, Rockies, Giants. There's fans of all over the Cubs. There are fans of every team there. So when you know when I played there in 19, teams would come in and you'd hear them. You'd hear the, uh, the opposing fans, if not louder than ours. So it's a transplant city. I think that was part of the problem a little bit. But, you know, it just – it didn't have that crazy, crazy – uh, noise, but at the same time, the Rangers took them out of the game, especially Game Four when they did a bullpen game. I was just like, "Oh, this is a, like I, I was." Man, I'm telling you, in the to, World Series of bullpen. I went, Joe, I went to Joe Torre, and he told me a fantastic story that I obviously cannot repeat. And he just, I was like, my question to him was, if it's game, if you lose Game Three, and the starters that you had back in the '90s and in, in all your old career, if you lost Game Three, would one of them starters be knocking on your door? Before the before they left to go, said I got the ball in game four. He said, Look, obviously no, doing that's not even a question. He said, I can mention one thing. He said Clemens came back through game five and through game seven. They don't do that. Obviously today's analytics, they don't do that. There's nothing left after the World Series. Just like right now, every single player is doing the exact same thing. Nothing. 
that, that game four to me, that was the biggest turnaround. And, and like I said, we sat in that yeah. suite. And I, I sat with Mr. Torrey for 45 minutes talking about the situation because if I'm on that team, there ain't no way I'm throwing a bullpen game. Again, it got them to this point. So I'm never going to disrespect what the Diamondbacks did. They had a fantastic season. They made it to the freaking World Series. My thing is, all this is, like I said, Pandora's box needs to be open. Ain't no bullpen game in the World Series, unfortunately. Couldn't agree more. You're throwing on three it should days be rest. banned. It should be banned. It doesn't need to be banned. It just yeah. needs to be, that needs to be the player saying, you know, like you can see the TBA. Nah, I'm filling in that TBA. Right. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing, yeah, I think. Me, when I was growing up, when even 10, 15, 15 years ago, the main dude would throw one, four, and seven. Yep. Three days rest. It's the playoffs. And Sabathia went the whole whole stretch in 08 down. We went three days rest. I mean, it's again, it's the analytical side. I understand that. I understand the health side. I'm fighting for the World Series. I don't give a damn about none of that. All right, real quickly, we do have to get to our guests, but the Orioles have the fifth best odds, according to the experts in Vegas, for uh, winning the World Series next year. Not bad to be behind teams like Atlanta, L.A., Texas, Houston, and Philly. But as far as the gold gloves, uh, Rushman, Mountcastle, Hayes, all finished second or third in the balloting for gold gloves. Did that surprise you? It did in a way. I think I thought one would have won it. Um, I'm a big fan of success. I think when you when you're successful, when your team wins, I think that awards need to be like, like you should get the award a little bit more. You should get a little more favoritism. I I, I believe because it's like the, it's like the Otani Trout effect. They're great players, but they're not in the playoffs. Alex Bregman to me in 2017 was I think when Correa was out. I think he was the MVP just because he moved positions and he. Team still went to the playoffs. I believe they won the World Series that year. That to me is huge. Winning is huge in sports. Again, you 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 can't fault a player for being great on a bad team. You can't fault that. You, you just, I would never just, I would never fault that. But at the same time, you you should give a little bit more favoritism to the to the guys that played all year and played on a winning team. I think this year Hayes with what with. with Everything, the culmination of went on with the year. Great first to have All-Star. Um, playing a, a, a damn near impossible left field that you've seen every other outfielder on the road come in and miss mishap balls that led to Orioles triples and, and extra base hits. Um, but again, it's, you know, the voting process. Quan, you can't disrespect Quan. Quan had a fantastic year. But I think what it does for all three of the guys is it puts them on the map again. And it's, and it's an incentive that, like, okay, I was this close, especially Hayes. Knowing how, like, how passionate he is. He's like, okay, I was this close to getting it. Hmm, hmm, okay, let me see what I need to do to get better and watch him come out in spring training, working on things that, you know, he needed to get better at for, for defense to win that gold glove. And I want to see all three of them, if not more, uh, in that in that conversation coming in coming next year. Because when you're in the gold glove conversation, it there's nothing higher than that. Again, I get winning MVP. That means you're the best in the game. That's very few people. But when it comes to the defensive side, that's all you. You control that. Like, you don't take your at-bats to defense. That's why I was a center fielder. I strike out. You know the first ground ball is coming to me at short. Pipe it right over into the concession stands. Take your butt out to center field. Well, you speak from experience firsthand, so we'll go, we'll go with the professional. You know what I mean? So. Yep. And let's get to our featured guests, as always, sponsored by Jimmy's Famous Seafood, home of the tailgoat. 
where they have the legendary food spread, drinks galore before every home football game, including Sunday against Cleveland and then a week from tonight against Cincinnati. Josh Raywich joining us. He is the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, Josh, thanks for taking the time. First thing I got to ask you is, we know with the uh, with the American president, I mean, it's usually four years in tenure with the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Is it a lifetime thing or, or how long is the tenure? Oh, man, I, I, pretty cool if it was a lifetime appointment. But I think it's it's hopefully as long as I don't screw it up. Um, it's just like any other job. It's it's there is no set amount of time and uh, hoping to be in this chair for a long time. Josh, thanks for joining. I mean, we go way back. Um, I want to ask something that's been on my mind recently is. Dusty Baker and possibly Bruce Bochy, although, I mean, obviously they're older in age and, you know, usually the Hall of Famers get to enjoy their Hall of Fame lives, you know, being inducted at 45 years old. With Dusty retiring 74, Bruce Bochy, I don't know if he's going to retire, but if he does, is there something that gets them into the Hall of Fame quicker as they're older in age? Um, there, there is interestingly, you, you can, um, you have to be basically retired for six months. So unfortunately in both, both of these guys cases, um, they would have, had they been retired earlier this year or at the end of last year, they would have been eligible for this December's ballot. Um, as it, unfortunately, well, I guess in both cases, fortunately, they both made it pretty far, um, but they will not be eligible for another three years. So they don't have to wait five. Um, but they would be eligible again for the ballot that we look at in 2026, and uh, as well as Terry Francona is another name that kind of falls into that category. Uh, guys who recently retired, but just a little bit too late to make it onto the ballot for this year. Okay, I want to know that. And also, how big is Bruce Bochy's head and hat? I've seen, I've seen, uh, I've seen you. Everybody knows that Bruce Bochy is a massive individual. Yeah. And everybody talks about that head. He's how got big? a good dome. It is uh, it is eight and an eighth. It's funny when we when we asked him if he would donate it. Um, literally, he handed it to me, and the first thing I did was look flip it over to see what size it was. But uh, I saw a quote from him this week that said, "You know, they asked me for one of my hats with the, back when I won with the Giants. I guess everybody's just enamored with the size of my head, which is kind of funny." What did you end up taking back from the World Series this year, Josh? Oh man, there's a lot of really cool stuff. Obviously, Boach gave us the hat. Marcus Simeon uh, gave us his jersey from the last game when he homered. It was champagne soaked when we got it out of there. Uh, we got the glove from the final out from Josh Spores. Uh, we've got actually from the Diamondbacks, Cattell Marte gave us the bat that set the record for hits in the streak. We got um, um, let's see what else cleats and uh, and a hat from Nathan Evaldi. Um, we got a a bat from um, Adolis Garcia. There was probably about eight or nine things. The, the, the coolest thing about it is that very quickly we'll turn it into an exhibit here at the hall. It's part of Autumn Glory. And so probably within about a month, fans can come here and there'll be an entire display on the 2023 World Series with uh, all sorts of cool things in it. Gus, I've never been to the, uh, I've never been to Cooperstown. I've never been to the baseball fan. We gotta fix that. Uh, yeah, both of us have that in common. Hopefully, and we, and we hopefully need something to that yeah. in the works to get me up there. Um, Explain the Baseball Hall of Fame to people that, even myself, I know that it is a museum full of fantastic artifacts of the greatest baseball players of all time, but there's a lot more to that than just artifacts. Yeah, I think a lot of people think it's just a plaque gallery. A lot of people will get here and they'll just imagine what they've seen on TV, but the reality is it's a, a three-story museum, like you said. We've got over 40,000 three-dimensional artifacts, bats, balls, gloves, hats, you name it. Um, three million documents. I mean, it's the greatest baseball library on the planet. And researchers come here all the time to do research when they're writing books. And 
um, it's really it's just an amazing place that I think um, people have on their bucket list forever. And we keep saying, like, take it off your bucket list and get it on your to do list, because it once you come, it, just, it, it never disappoints. It's always kind of over exceeds people's expectations. And um, I think a lot of people also think we're, we're run by MLB, but we're not. We're, we're a nonprofit that um, kind of operates on our own on memberships and donations and obviously admissions. But um, highly recommend anybody who's been talking about coming here. In many cases, they wait. They wait so long. And, uh, and the reality is it's, it's just it is well worth planning a visit. Well, the Hall of Fame class is going to be announced coming up January 23rd. How critical to the Hall of Fame's bottom line is the class that comes in in terms of attendance, notoriety? And tell us who some of the hot candidates are. Well, so, um, I mean, the, the first answer is, uh, yes, it obviously helps if you get a big name who gets inducted. But from our standpoint, we have no control over it. Um, we don't actually do any of the voting. So sure. realistically, yes, we try to think about who might be in there when we do our budgeting for next year. Um, but from our standpoint, we just want to make sure that it's the best of the best. We'd rather have um, nobody get inducted and still have it be all of the, the best players than have people inducted to help our bottom line. That's not really how we tend to think. But um, this upcoming year, so there's some unique, um, we've got the ballot coming up here. Uh, and you've got you mentioned the one in January. We also have in, in December, we've got the era committee, which looks at managers, umpires and executives. So that list is Cito Gaston, Davey Johnson, Jim Leland, and then uh, umpires, Ed Montague and Joe West. You've got uh, Lou Pinella and then a couple of executives, Hank Peters and Bill White are getting looked at. Um, and then coming in January, you mentioned the baseball writers. Some of the bigger names on there are likely Adrian Beltre for the first time will be eligible. And then Todd Helton and Billy Wagner have both gotten really close the last couple of years, so they could make it over the hump this time. But, um, yeah, we try not to create the class the way we want it. We want we want it to be the right class for eternity. And so in that case, if it winds up being a small class, we're good with that. We'll make it work. So what happens when there is no – I know a couple of years ago there was nobody elected. What Do you still go on with the ceremony? Yeah, what's interesting is the last time nobody got elected happened to be during COVID. So we wound up still ha we didn't we weren't going to have one anyway. Um, and then we wound up taking the class and doing it in 21 right after I got here. So that was um, that was the last time nobody got elected. And then previously we had about seven, eight, nine years ago, we had no living electees. There was a lot of actual um, former Negro leaguers or those who had passed. Um, and we still did a ceremony and, and it was obviously smaller, but we're still always going to do it. It's it's a huge weekend on the baseball calendar. Everybody knows how important that is to the baseball. In fact, yesterday when MLB just put out a tweet about look at what's coming on in the baseball calendar in the next few months, the Hall of Fame announcement is part of it. So even though we're not necessarily part of MLB, um, they, they help support us and, and we'll continue to do something special even if we don't have a class in a year upcoming. What is like the coolest thing, the weirdest thing, and something at the Hall of Fame that's just like, I have to find this, like, like an urban legend. That the Hall of Fame has. Oh, man. Um, well, when you walk around, our, we have an underground vault, and now we actually just opened up a second vault because we ran out of room in the first vault. But um, it's temperature controlled and humidity and controlled and light controlled. All of that's intended to uh, make sure that we um, make sure that we, we are preserving the history of the game forever. Um, when I went down there not that long ago, I saw a box that had uh, an athletic supporter, a jock strap in there, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like you, you, I mean, we have, we have trophies, we have guns actually from, from the personal collections of hall of famers. We have desks. We, I mean, they're just, people tend to think of the things on the field, but some of the strangest things are the things off the field. Um, and then when you think about what's on display in the museum, it's only like 10% of what we have. So 
about 4,000 things are on display and it's constantly rotating because you don't want these things to to have the light um, make them fade over over time. So um, up on the on the second floor, there's a really cool bracelet that I walk by all the time. That is, um, Lou Gehrig had taken a lot of his rings and turned into a bracelet for his wife. And you just kind of walk by and you think, man, it's like everything we have here is one of a kind. It's it's hard to pick one thing that's like the strangest because everything we have, there's not another one of them in the world. I certainly have including your shoes. <laughs> yes, some cool stuff from you. We don't have there. There's not two pairs of that. That's that's a one of a kind, dude. So Adam's shoes are in the hall. Yeah, yeah. You tell the story of that. That's a, I wasn't here yet when those came in. I believe it's uh, it's, it's I maybe it Jackie Robinson Day. It could have been Jackie. I think yeah. Jackie Robinson Day. Some high top um, Harajis, oh, yeah. gold with the with the camo bottom. I went. I remember designing those, and they're 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 cool. I mean. For me, as a person who's not going to get in the Hall of Fame, to have something in the Hall of Fame, hey, I don't care. That's a, that's unbelievable. So every time somebody goes there, they, I see a text or a tweet that, hey, man, I've seen that at the Hall of Fame. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'll take it. And we continue our conversation with baseball Hall of Fame president Josh Raywich right here on the Adam Jones podcast. But first, let's take a moment to salute our loyal, dedicated sponsors. Go out and support them, folks. Hi, guys. Oriole Hall of Famer and ambassador to the baseball warehouse, Mike Bordick here. We are honored and excited to help support the Adam Jones Podcast. The Baseball Warehouse has four locations in Maryland and two in Pennsylvania. We specialize in private instruction, camps, showcases, charity events, Badgers baseball, and one-of-a-kind events featuring current Major League players and Hall of Famers. Our instructors have all played collegiately and professionally, many of whom have reached the Major Leagues. Check out thebaseballwarehouse.com to learn more and check us out on social media. Also, make sure to check out Orioles Hall of Famer Rick Dempsey's baseball warehouse opening in columbia this october yeah it's october 8th from 1 to 5 p.m i'll be there with many of my former teammates and i want to see you there the adam jones podcast is brought to you by jimmy's famous seafood charm city's favorite crab cake destination local sports fan experience the ultimate pregame party at the tailgate cheer on the ravens with iconic live performances an open bar and mouth-watering eats can't make it no worries bring the same food that caught the attention of the food network right to your doorstep shipping east coast recipes nationwide jimmy's famous seafood is the official sponsor of the guests appearing on the adam jones podcast and by our friends at the wineman company your fun awaits at Hollywood Casino Perryville. See the whole crew with something for everyone, from cheesesteaks to crab cake sandwiches. Plus, ask how you can get a $15 dining credit. Get in on the gaming action with the hottest slots and your favorite table games, like blackjack, roulette, and poker. Free live shows every Friday and Saturday. Plus, become a Penn Play member and get up to $250 in rewards. Come experience nonstop fun and excitement only at Hollywood Casino Perryville. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Effective Solutions, your one-stop shop for commercial contracting. Everything from excavation and site development to emergency remediation and restoration. Effective Solutions specializes in many forms of commercial and mixed-use construction, like leak investigation, framing, trim carpentry, insulation, drywall, painting, wallpaper, flooring, masonry, waterproofing, paving, tree removal, and much more. With a dedicated staff and a commitment to quality, Effective Solutions delivers every time. By G-Leaf medical cannabis only visit gleaf.com medical cannabis is for qualified maryland patients only the adam jones podcast is brought to you by royal farms download the royal farms app from the apple app store or google play today new royal farms rewards members will get a free any size cup of royal farms award-winning coffee just for signing up you know it takes a lot of hard work 
to be a professional football kicker. I would know. I am a professional football kicker. So when I need the energy to get through a tough practice, I get a cup of coffee from Royal Farms. Royal Farms' new coffee machines grind fresh beans and brew them for a perfect cup every time. It's the freshest coffee in the world and just the kick I need. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. By Jack Daniels, two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, the number one cocktail in the world, is now available in a can. Yes, that's true. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, mixed with Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar, are now both available in a can. Two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, ready to drink? Please drink responsibly. Whiskey specialty, 7% alcohol by volume. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, Lynchburg, Tennessee. And a reminder, if you guys are enjoying this podcast, make sure to check out the Baltimore Banner at thebaltimorebanner.com slash AJ to get started. Now back to our continuing chat with baseball Hall of Fame president Josh Raywich only on the Adam Jones podcast. Do you happen to know where the items from the Orioles game against Cuba back in 1999 in Havana are located? And the reason I ask this question, Josh, is because I contributed to that exhibit. And I'll admit, and I think maybe the people that took the items from me from the Hall of Fame, they are stolen goods. I, uh, I stole the lineup card from Cuba back in 1999. I'll admit it now. I think the statute of limitations is up. I'm not planning on going back to Havana. But about two hours after the game was over, I'm still there at the field in Havana, and I'm in the dugout of the Cuban team, and up on the wall is a lineup card. So I look around, make sure I'm not being watched by anyone. Oh, you were. I ripped, I ripped a piece of paper. It was literally a piece of notebook paper, okay, off the wall, put it in my bag. Next day, long story short, in line to leave Cuba, in front of me is the guy who was there from the Baseball Hall of Fame, had a number of artifacts. And I asked him, hey, who got the Cuban lineup card? And he said to me, it's probably in Fidel's desk right now. <laughs> and I said, what if I told you it was in this bag right now? So I break it out, show it to him. And for that, I received a lifetime donorship pass, a lifetime pass for the Baseball Hall of Fame. I have a plaque framed up in my room. Uh, do you have any idea where this exhibit is? Because you guys only have limited space. I was telling Adam, it could be in the basement for all we know right now. Yeah, so it's actually a great question. Um, chances are it is, in fact, in our archives because any of our paper uh, things of like, like what you're describing, scorecards or documents, um, those can, we, we generally will replicate those if we're going to put them on display because the actual hard copies you don't necessarily want under the light for years and years at a time. Um, but we do have a Viva Baseball exhibit that's focused all on the history of baseball in Latin America. So there's a decent chance it's on display in some regard there. Um, it's possible it's in the Orioles locker, but it's now been a little while. Um, and if it's in either of those places, one of the cool things we tell people when they donate is um, when you come back, we'll find it for you. I promise you, when you come visit us, you just let us know you're coming and we will make sure that uh, we break it out, bring it up so that you can see it and know that. And not just for you. We've, we've had, had George Sisler's great grandkids here maybe a month or so ago, and they obviously never met their great grandfather. But I put his glove from 1920 in the in the great grandkids hands. And like we all get chills watching that happen. And it happens all the time here where, where descendants of people who donated Hall of Famers or otherwise come in. And I mean, Adam, your kids, kids, kids will be able to come back and see those shoes or that scorecard. And um, that's part of what we do. We preserve the history of the game. With the game advancing so much, uh, especially like you have the London series, Mexico series, Korea series coming up, I've seen Xander Bogarts was the first guy to ever homer in was it four different four different continents. Yeah. Um, 
were you able to get something from him? Because I know his fourth home run was in Mexico. The Mexico series, we were down there, Lucha Libre. Yes. And tacos and rest. That's right. Um, <laughs> what, Anybody wants a good tour guide in Mexico City, go with Adam. Uh, we know. There's a lot of countries where he's the best tour yes, guide. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We um, share that passion. So, like, what what do you get from what do you get from Bogarts in that regards? And what else? And, you know, what are you gathering from these different series as they are? You know, they're, they're iconic and monumental as this game uh, advances. Yeah, I mean that's uh, part of what we try to do is find storylines in each of the places we go. So I was in Mexico City. I actually can't remember if we got anything from Bogarts, but I do know that when I went to London, maybe six weeks later, um, I asked Paul Goldschmidt for his hat because he was the first to play a regular season game in five different countries. Um, and when I went and, and got it from him, it hit me, man, I've actually been to all five countries with Goldie because I was at the Diamondbacks. And oddly enough, a lot of them, we went to Australia and New Zealand and Mexico and um, England. And what was the fifth one? I can't remember what the other one, maybe it's Canada. Um, Canada. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're always looking for stories that will help tell um, a, a good background, a good story about the history of the game. And I don't specifically remember on Xander, but I do remember bringing home Manny Machado's um, jersey from that series. He had a big day. I think he had a couple homers in the first game. And uh, I remember asking him, like, hey, would you donate this? And, like, the smile on his – he was so excited that one of you – and this is a guy who's got a pretty good chance to, to have a plaque in the gallery here someday, and yet he was just so grateful that we had asked for his jersey – um, it had a lot of cologne. I remember that. I remember opening it up and uh, we got, we got home. I opened it up. I was like, man, the cologne carried all the way across the continent. But, um, he's, uh, he was very, honestly, most players we ask, I'd say 99 times out of a hundred, they want to donate it for the same reason you said, like they want something of theirs in Cooperstown. It's the sweetest smelling Jersey in Cooperstown. Absolutely. Uh, I, good. You play good. Manny Ramirez started that. He's like, Bobby, I gave him a hug. He's like, I was like, damn, you smell good. He's like, Bobby, you smell good. You play good. I'm like, yep. He's not wrong. <laughs> now, we know the Hall of Fame, just to clarify, you don't pay for any items that come in. These are donations. So in terms of value and security, I mean, how much is all the memorabilia worth in the Baseball Hall of Fame? It's got to be a, a crazy astronomical number. Yeah, I mean, literally, yeah, nobody's ever tried to figure it out. Obviously, for insurance purposes, we have to we have to insure certain wings of the building in certain ways. But the way we look at it is not so much from a price standpoint, but but or, or uh, if we were we would never sell anything either. We don't buy anything, like you said, and we don't sell anything. So that the cost or the value of it is not really all that important. We look at it truly as one of a kind, and that's um, man, you're literally talking billions and billions. If if you were to put these things on the the open market, we have individual pieces that would go for tens of millions of dollars. And of course we would never do that. That's not how museums operate, but it's, um, it's crazy when you think about it that way. I mean, you mentioned like George Sisters glove, like if someone had to, that's, you're talking about 20, 30, $50 million, that, that price keeps going up. The what's the Mickey Mantle card now, the Honus Wagner card, 6 million or something like that. Yeah. Like, three, four times that. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's really crazy. So what's, what's new, what's next? I'm saying what's next for, the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, obviously, we got the the um, ballot for uh, the Hall of Fame. But what projects are the Baseball Hall of Fame, or what, they, what are they doing? Well, the biggest one uh, that I know you're involved in. I appreciate you teeing this up. Um, we've spent the last two years working on a new exhibit tied to the history of black baseball. That's going to be just unreal. It's it's an exhibit called the Souls of the Game: Voices of Black Baseball. It's going to open up next spring, but it's more than just an exhibit. We're going to have an online component. We're going to have a traveling component to it. Um, we've got some big news coming soon, and I know you've been serving on the advisory committee uh, because it's important to us. We, we've had a black baseball exhibit since 
even predating the one that's currently there now from 1997 was the 50th anniversary of Jackie breaking the color barrier. But even before that, we had a, an exhibit on the history of black baseball. What's different about this one is it's being told from the perspective of the people who lived it. Um, whereas 25 years ago it was probably more from a curatorial staff standpoint. This is going to have, you're going to hear the voices of players, coaches, executives, umpires, managers, all that who lived the experience of being black in baseball. And um, obviously a lot's happened in the last 25 years. So that's really, when you think about institution wide, that's the biggest thing we've got coming in 2025, excuse me, 2024. Um, and uh, we're not quite there yet on our big announcement of how we're going to unveil it, but uh, rest assured you're, you're going to be coming to Cooperstown some point in 24. I promise you that. <laughs> that's going to be awesome. Is there one item out there, Josh, that you guys have been seeking trying to obtain that you've had a hard time getting? <laughs> It's funny. People ask that question a lot. And the reality is um, the only person that I've ever had, I've asked our curators that, and it's so hard. I mean, that we have uh, such a ridiculous collection. We tend not to think about the things we don't have, but we had a curator named John O'Dell. Actually, he was a big Orioles fan and unfortunately recently passed away. Um, but what he told me that he would have wanted, if there was one thing he could find, um, there was a trophy 125 years ago, they used to go to the, the league championship winner called the Dovray Cup. It was an actress, I think her name was Helen Dovray, who I think they made like six or seven of these in existence in the early 1900s. And nobody knows, nobody's ever seen one. I mean, we have every trophy you can imagine um, fr from what's been given out over the last 150, 100. I mean, we have, we have things from the 1800s. We have baseballs from the Civil War era. We've got all these incredible things. Um, we don't have any of the Dovray Cups and nobody knows where they exist. So the only answer I've ever gotten to that question came from John O'Dell. And he said, man, if that thing turned up, we would want one of those. But nobody knows if they even still exist anywhere. With the Negro Leagues added to the to I mean the Hall of Fame, is, is there is there like their own wing or is it just immersed in it's not just like no those not it's not segregated, let's just immerse everybody in like now with you know, with the last couple of years with the stats being yeah. for reference, have you just immersed everybody or is it like no over here, this is the Negro Leagues and this is the like or is it just like no, this is baseball? No, it's a great question because I think when they when they had the larger class, Satchel Page was the first guy that went in in the early seventies, and then um, as more and more Negro leaders got added, there was I guess initial initial questions way back in the day as to whether you would do it in a separate wing. And thankfully, the powers that be that were here at the time said no, they 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 belong in the Hall of Fame just like everybody else. So the truth is, the Negro leagues have been kind of tied into all the other exhibits, and that's one of the cool things we're doing with this this current initiative is it's not just the one souls of the game exhibit but we're going to find ways to tie in stories of black baseball throughout the museum we've got a couple other really cool things that are going to be coming in the next uh, in the next six months that we'll be announcing that um, i think when people come here they're going to recognize that one of the things that everybody really probably talks about a lot in these curatorial meetings is Black people have been playing baseball since baseball started. Um, we have one of our curators saying, look, this isn't tennis. There was a white sport that kind of got taken on by other other people, other races. Black, base, black baseball has been happening since the earliest days. It's just unfortunate that for a very long period of time, they were not allowed to play in the, in the best league um, or in the major leagues, I shouldn't say. Who knows what the best league was? So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool the way we're going about this, and I think it's all going to be tied together in a really, really special way coming uh, come the spring. Josh, my last question for you is this. In terms of planning to come to Cooperstown, is it something where you should allow more than one day to visit the Hall of Fame, or can you see everything within one day? 
Oh, man, that's a great question. It really has to do with how deep you want to get. I mean, you definitely cannot see everything in one day. Um, if you wanted to kind of go through it in a day and, and I don't want to say skim, but I mean, you you definitely want to save yourself four or five hours um, if you're a real baseball fan and you want to go through this slowly. And frankly, you could easily spend a whole weekend and still not get to every single label and every exhibit. There's just an incredible amount of stuff here. And frankly, Cooperstown has more than enough. To st- we've got an amazing golf course, one of the best in the whole country. Um, oh, Adam will like that. Yeah, it's like the second best rated golf course in New York State is right on the lake here. All sorts of restaurants and shops and other museums. It's a, it's a, I mean, you definitely want more than a day in Cooperstown, but um, people, frankly, they should come more than once. I mean, if you try to jam it all into one, one visit, you're never going to see it all, but I respect it. It's, we're not necessarily the easiest place to get to, but like I said, it always delivers and then some. Josh, before we let you go, I just want to know, do you, have you ever walked around there by yourself at night and never hear any like eerie creaky sounds of something like Babe Ruth and you know Garrett over there talking you ever just like just eerie like a haunted house well it's funny uh, real quickly it's funny that Adam mentions that because John Madden used to say the plaques at the Pro Football Hall of Fame all talk to each other in the middle of the night what goes on in Cooperstown like Adam said yeah oh man yeah I mean the short answer is yes I have been in here when it's completely empty and it is incredibly special you just you absolutely feel their ghosts. I don't know. I don't know whether it's actual ghosts, but I can feel the history of the people that played the game. And if you if you love the game, it, look, they, they did a Ghost Hunters episode here many years ago, and I don't know what they found or didn't find. I don't know that I believe in all that stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, what's really cool, actually, is that when you get it, even for a, a fan who comes Generally, we tell people to go on the second floor first. We tell you, go see the, this, this incredible film called Generations of the Game that's like 15 minutes that kicks off people's visits. They do the second floor, the third floor, and then they finish in the plaque gallery. But because most people follow that, if you come in on any given day and you go straight to the plaque gallery, you can be in there by yourself almost at 9 o'clock in the morning because most people are starting upstairs, and you absolutely feel the history. And it's um, and you walk over to Jackie's plaque or Babe Ruth's plaque or – Honest Wagner, it just it it, it is an incredible feeling to come here every day and be a part of this. Definitely has to send a chill down your spine. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Highly recommend everybody should come out here and see it. And uh, like I said, if you've been once, come back because we're we're actually doing a lot of cool things now. We're just starting to add some interactives um, that that will make it continue to make it um, relevant for the next generation of fans. I know Adam's got little kids. I've got young kids. Um, you want you want them to be able to experience it the same way that I did or that my parents did. And nowadays they're walking around with a phone in their hands and they're just so we're trying to find ways to continue to engage while still being a proper museum and, and teaching education and all the all the things that are part of our mission. You know, I can't help but notice, Adam, in watching as we broadcast on YouTube, the background of Josh's office looks phenomenal. Um, I don't know if we can get a walking tour. We don't really need that. But you got quite a bit in the office. You got your own museum back there. Yeah, I guess I guess 30 years of working in the game. I got a lot of cool baseballs, hats, and they're not necessarily artifacts. But, yeah, there's some crazy stuff in here that I've been lucky to collect. I actually just added one. Uh, I literally, when I came in this morning, one of the the Diamondbacks clubhouse attendants gave me a bottle of champagne that they used after game seven to get to the World Series. So I just added that like right over my shoulder here. Everything stays exactly the way it is when it comes in. We don't clean the shoes. We don't clean the dirt off the shoes. We don't wash uniforms. We want it to be authentic. The one the one thing we do do, though, is if it comes in like like uh, Semyon's jersey, you have to wash it if it has champagne on it. Otherwise, over time, it will it will ruin the actual jersey. So you, you can't have that. 
can't keep the champagne on the jerseys, but otherwise it stays as it is. They got a Hall of Fame dry cleaner there in Cooperstown as well. <laughs> I literally stopped at it on my way into the office this morning. Cooperstown is just like anybody, any place else in the world. We got to have all these things to, uh, to, even though it may look like a movie set, those aren't facades. Those are real buildings with uh, real people. <laughs> Josh, uh, we want to thank you. It's been an absolute delight. We know you and Adam have quite a history, and thank you for for joining us here on the Adam Jones Podcast this week. Well, I appreciate you guys, and uh, look forward to hosting you out here in Cooperstown, and uh, thanks for doing all the good work you're doing out there. All thank right. you. Yeah, Adam, we have to get out there. I know you're going uh, for, yeah. for business purposes as well, but that's on my bucket list, man. Unfortunately, as he said, it's like one road in, one road out, so you got to plan accordingly. Let's move along to our For the Birds segment. It's brought to us by our friends over at the Baseball Warehouse where they teach you to play baseball just right. He's working his morning exercises right now, fresh off watching the Ravens play. We'll get to the Terps as well. He is the Baltimore Banners' outstanding columnist, Kyle Goon, back on the Adam Jones podcast. So Ravens clobber Seattle, second straight dominating home victory, Kyle. And now they got what, two games, less than a week at home. They look like right now the most balanced team in the NFL. I don't think that's a stretch in saying that. Did yeah. I just take Adam's question? No, you didn't. But last week you're saying this team is pathetic. This team, this week you're I didn't say they were pathetic. Ah. I said they had struggles offensively. How dare you? All right, Adam, Kyle. you know, Jerry's got to change a little with the wind. Um, but but <laughs> listen, on, on Monday morning, um, the inventor of – I know analytics maybe a little bit of a mixed audience here, but but the inventor of the stat called DVOA, which measures um, you know play success against the average in the NFL, um, said that the Ravens through nine games are the third best team it, it, since he's been tracking the stat alongside the New England Patriots, um, some of the Dallas teams of the mid '90s, um, a, a very good 1990 uh, Washington football team. This is one of the best starts ever uh, by this uh, this metric DVOA, uh, which is now one of the, the standards of football. So the Ravens, I mean, the the dominance between two NFC division leaders, the Lions, the Seahawks, making them look like they don't even belong out there. And to me, I've been I've been kind of waiting to see a few of these strung together. The Cardinals' victory, as you're alluding to, Jerry, was not very impressive. But I think I've seen it. I think I've seen that this team has the upside of an explosive offense, a great run game, the threat of Lamar Jackson's arm, um, and a defense that is just moving really well. I'm, I've been surprised at how they've been able to hold up. I mean, Roquan Smith is a star. But other than that, they don't have a lot of star talent, established star talents. Um, Justin Matabike having a career year. Kyle Hamilton, I think he's really going to be – a guy who this franchise talks in reverent tones about for a long, long time. And I think we're just really starting to see it come together, what this team could be um, when they reach their potential, like they have two of the last three weeks, they look really, really impressive. Yeah. Don't forget, you know, stone too, right? You know, stone leading uh, the NFL. DVO rats ass about that. That's analytical about, for you. I care about win loss. They're 72. That's all, that's, that's, all that, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Um, but, no, we're, we talk about, like, at home, obviously, how impressive the last two wins have been. I mean, steamrolled. And you consider, you know, even in London, that was a steamroll game also. Arizona. That right there to me is what you have to do. you got to get a, a win on the road. It's tough to win on the road. 
if this team plays the way they played the last four weeks, what is the limit? Are they hosting up? Can they host up that trophy? Oh, heck yeah. I, I don't think there's an NFL team that at its its peak has looked as good as the Ravens as many times as the Ravens have looked. I mean, we're also talking about a couple a couple weeks ago, I mean, a couple, like two months ago, they demolished Cincinnati, and it was only a last-second comeback that made it look close at all. I mean, it was not a close game, and the Ravens were cruising out there. They, they, they're about to play the Browns this week. They demolished the Browns a few weeks ago, too, and they, they made um, – one of the other great defenses in the NFL looked like they weren't playing the same game and, and scored four touchdowns against them. So I, I just think we've seen this upside pretty consistently as consistent as any team in the NFL and against, you know, good teams, maybe not elite teams. I mean, I think, you know, we're still thinking about Kansas city, the Eagles, um, the dolphins are coming up later on the schedule. I think the Niners are still pretty good, but who has shown more than the Ravens in terms of just pure dominance. Their losses are head scratchers. They're against the Indianapolis Colts and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers, I know they're doing better, but I think we all seeing those games knew that those were weird, funky games that I don't think really demonstrate what this team is. That the wins looking really good. And I would argue no one's done it better than than the Ravens so far this year. Yeah, seven and two tied with Kansas City for the best record in the American Football Conference. They've never hosted an AFC championship game. So hopefully this is a year that occurs. Every time they've won the Super Bowl, they've won the AFC championship on the road, whether it be in Oakland or uh, New England. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were you were the last one, Adam, as you know. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do it again. Yeah, let's let's repeat and make the road trip, right? All right, do we want to get into the Terps real quickly here and their woes? Ooh, a terrible loss, 51-15 last week to Penn State. So demoralizing, they never had the lead. And this is a team that began the season, Kyle, 4-0. and Yeah, 5-0, and actually. 5-0, uh, and yeah. You're hurting my feelings, Jerry, um, as, a, as a Maryland alum. But I don't think I woke up on Saturday morning and thought, Oh, Penn State's on the schedule. Uh, Maryland football <laughs> has a really good shot. and But that's the reality of this program right now. I mean, Terps football, even though, even though they started out so well, I don't think there was a ton of confidence that they were a real Big Ten player. I mean, you know, I think you hope for maybe a win against Ohio State or a win against Penn State. Guess what? That's over. And I'm not really looking forward to Michigan in a couple weeks myself. So. Ooh. I just think the, the upside of this team is just not very high. And then you look at what's going to happen to the Big Ten with some of these bigger schools. I mean, SC is going to come in, Oregon, Washington. Where do the Terps figure into that? They're cannon fodder for these teams right now. And and respectfully, I mean, I think Mike Loxley, in some sense, has, has done a good job in taking what was a very difficult situation and turning around to something that, resembles respectability but there's just no upside for for the terps right now in the big 10 as it exists today and as it exists tomorrow i mean what is maryland football i mean it's it's just it's almost like northwestern or rutgers or any of those other programs that are just getting run over by the big boys every year and and i just there's something that maybe just a spark of imagination or something that just lacks when you think about uh, the future of Maryland football. 
what I mean, I'm not I'm not the biggest college football fan since I didn't go to college. What is like what has the realignment of these conferences done for like I said, like Maryland football and other conference and other programs? I mean, I know they were ACC. I'm a, I mean, I'm a North Carolina basketball fan. People in Maryland got mad at me. I still went to the games. Um, but so, what does that what does that really meant to Maryland when it comes to funding? When it comes to every recruiting, now that they're in a, I mean, Big Ten is different than ACC when it comes to football. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, now I, you got all these where you just left off. Uh, and when I was a student, I went to many. Uh, North Carolina basketball games, including a few where maybe yours truly rushed the court. I don't know who can say, <laughs> but it, it, to me, and and I'm I'm not that old. I'm in my 30s. I mean, that was those were the teams I wanted to beat. I mean, that that was kind of what got my my blood boiling for like, oh, North Carolina's coming on the schedule. Duke is coming on the schedule um, in football. Like Florida State coming on the schedule. And I think what Maryland has done is in, in the Big Ten, they're in a much better financial situation. You look at the, the TV money they get, they're, they're better off. The ACC, you know, that could be a conference on the chopping block someday. But what they've traded in is just any sense of upward mobility. I mean, they're not going to be better at football than Ohio State. They're not going to be better at football than, than Michigan and Penn State most years. So you just kind of get to hang out in the middle and sometimes – you know, drop down, sometimes maybe drop up. And I think what they've also done is just change the feeling for alumni, you know, people who are still going to be paying out NIL money, help you get scholarship money, help you build buildings. For, for people like me, there's not a, an emotional connection to beating the schools that you beat now. I mean, it's like, okay, if Maryland plays Iowa in basketball, what does that what does that mean to me? I mean, if if Maryland plays Penn State in basketball, oh, like who's who's wants to buy tickets for that? And yeah. and I think there's something that's been lost by the constant conference realignment, chasing television money. Um, they've kind of given up a sense of this is what this school is. This is who the rivals are. And Maryland maybe didn't have, you know, a natural rival in the ACC, but they definitely don't really have a natural rival now. I mean, is is the Maryland rival Rutgers? Uh, take me back to North Carolina. Like, give me add, 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 add something to talk about. Purdue, yeah, like that Temple. Oh. Yeah, uh, hopefully uh, Mike Loxley can pick up a few wins and maybe save his job because it seems like it could be on the line this year. Kyle, we uh, we certainly appreciate you taking the time as a Maryland alum. I know it's been tough, but you have basketball season to look forward to. Yeah, Maryland women. Now that's a that's a basketball. Yes, defending that's national champs. There you go. What do you say we get into some socially speaking, Adam? This is where we answer a tweet or social media post, or if you rate the podcast, you get a chance to qualify for a Duncan gift card. And if you don't know how to rate the podcast, we have a simple video for you. On your phone, go to podcast. Type in Adam Jones. Now you're at the Adam Jones podcast. Then just follow us. It's free. Rate us. Five stars would be great. Now that was easy, right? Pie video. <laughs> we don't need to see that. That was the different video. At Adam Jones pod is where you can locate us. At Adam Jones pod on X, Facebook, Instagram, or on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars like Zach, 5963, five stars, wrote great show. Love how they hit on all the Baltimore sports, not just the Orioles. They bring such great guests on with so many wonderful stories. 
We love that rating, Zach, and thanks for the feedback. We really appreciate it. We do want to thank our loyal, dedicated sponsors. Let's go ahead and salute them. Hi, guys. Oriole Hall of Famer and ambassador to the baseball warehouse, Mike Bordick here. We are honored and excited to help support the Adam Jones podcast. The Baseball Warehouse has four locations in Maryland and two in Pennsylvania. We specialize in private instruction, camps, showcases, charity events, Badgers baseball, and one-of-a-kind events featuring current Major League players and Hall of Famers. Our instructors have all played collegiately and professionally, many of whom have reached the Major Leagues. Check out TheBaseballWarehouse.com to learn more and check us out on social media. Also, make sure to check out Orioles Hall of Famer Rick Dempsey's Baseball Warehouse opening in Columbia this October. Yeah, it's October 8th from 1 to 5 p.m. I'll be there with many of my former teammates, and I want to see you there. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Jimmy's Famous Seafood, Charm City's favorite crab cake destination. Local sports fan? Experience the ultimate pregame party at the tailgate. Cheer on the Ravens with iconic live performances, an open bar, and mouth-watering eats. Can't make it? No worries. Bring the same food that caught the attention of the Food Network right to your doorstep. Shipping East Coast recipes nationwide. Jimmy's Famous Seafood is the official sponsor of the guests appearing on the Adam Jones Podcast. And by our friends at the Weinman Company. Your fun awaits at Hollywood Casino Perryville. Feed the whole crew with something for everyone, from cheesesteaks to crab cake sandwiches. Plus, ask how you can get a $15 dining credit. Get in on the gaming action with the hottest slots and your favorite table games, like blackjack, roulette, and poker. Free live shows every Friday and Saturday. Plus, become a Penn Play member and get up to $250 in rewards. Come experience nonstop fun and excitement only at Hollywood Casino Perryville. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Effective Solutions, your one-stop shop for commercial contracting. Everything from excavation and site development to emergency remediation and restoration. Effective Solutions specializes in many forms of commercial and mixed-use construction, like leak investigation, framing, trim carpentry, insulation, drywall, painting, wallpaper, flooring, masonry, waterproofing, paving, tree removal, and much more. With a dedicated staff and a commitment to quality, Effective Solutions delivers every time. By G-Leaf. Medical cannabis only. Visit gleaf.com. Medical cannabis is for qualified Maryland patients only. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Royal Farms. Download the Royal Farms app from the Apple App Store or Google Play today. New Royal Farms Rewards members will get a free any size cup of Royal Farms award-winning coffee just for signing up. You know, it takes a lot of hard work to be a professional football kicker. I would know. I am a professional football kicker. So when I need the energy to get through a tough practice, I get a cup of coffee from Royal Farms. Royal Farms' new coffee machines grind fresh beans and brew them for a perfect cup every time. It's the freshest coffee in the world and just the kick I need. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. By Jack Daniels, two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, the number one cocktail in the world, is now available in a can. Yes, that's true. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, mixed with Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar, are now both available in a can. Two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, ready to drink? Please drink responsibly. Whiskey specialty, 7% alcohol by volume. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, Lynchburg, Tennessee. And a reminder, if you guys are enjoying this podcast, make sure to check out the Baltimore Banner at thebaltimorebanner.com slash AJ to get started. Thanks to senior executive producer Chip Franklin for putting this episode together. Chip's like a field of dreams, except in my case, it's a field of nightmares. <laughs> also, go out and subscribe to the Baltimore Banner, please. They help us so much with this podcast. Until next week, 
Be kind, be real, and make sure to be back for another episode as we wind down season two of the Adam Jones Podcast. We'll be right back.